Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Strictly Hip Hop. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and joining me on this very special podcast, very interesting podcast, is my guy, Spike Lou, one half, now one third of the On Deck TV, uh, on the On Deck TV podcast. Spike, your your uh, your ownership stake is getting cut. Yeah, man, I, that's, it's getting scary over there. I may have to start creating some more content in other places. It's not <laughs> joking around. No, nah, man, it's all love, man. Them extras doing his thing over there. And, um, just looking to build up more brand and build up more content. So it, expansion is always a good thing for business. Oh, yeah, always a good thing. And, you know, shout out to M Extra. I got to get him mm-hmm. on the podcast. So I'll actually hit you for his contact info. Cause I don't I've know had... if you want that, though. I don't know <laughs> at all. You know, skip over it. <laughs> oh, you you're trying to keep all the good content to yourself. No, nah, no, nah, nah. I don't want to ruin your content with his know it all attitude. Man. <laughs> you know. that, that's true. That's true. When it does come to those week re- weekly releases, man, he thinks, <laughs> he, thinks he knows. Every... No, nah, shout out, my true. guy. Um, we were talking about some NBA before the before the podcast start. That's not what this podcast is about. But I do gotta ask you. Um, you know, I know you're a big Celtics guy, so mm-hmm. you were texting you were texting me when uh, when Milwaukee put the stampede <laughs> on the Celtics. Man, how are, how are you feeling right now? Uh, you know what? I'm not as mad as I would be because I know Kyrie's contract is up. And if I drive him out of town, if Bill Simmons drives him out of town to the airport, whoever, just as long as he gets the hell out of Boston, I just feel like, and I know I'm a I'm a uh, a fair weather basketball fan more so. It's probably like my second or third favorite sport, but just from my perspective, I just think that Kyrie's a cancer man, and if we can get him out of there and still keep Jalen, I'm not sold on Taylor on Tatum anymore. Uh, so if I can build around Jalen, maybe trade Tatum while people still think he's good, get another big free agent with the money that we're spending for Kyrie, and we could blow the whole thing up. To be honest, I, I, I'm, I blow the whole thing up and keep Jalen. Man, with that. and keep smart too. I like Marcus too. That's really really interesting take from from you, Spike. I just don't want I don't want another year of Kyrie and his weirdness and his <laughs> weird takes and making the locker room weird. I think Kobe Bryant's has ruined uh, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is so in love with 18-foot jumpers that it makes no <laughs> sense. And, you know, I just – I like Jalen's athleticism, and I like Marcus Smart's greediness. And, I, I mean, Horford's going to be Horford. But I think he'll opt out. 
he has a $30 million option this year. I think he'll opt out for a longer term somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, I just we can blow it up. Give Brad yeah. Stevens something else to work with. Yeah, I like all of those individual pieces, but together I don't like them. I even like Marcus Morris. I love him. I love Kyrie. I like Marcus Morris. I love I love Smart. I love Tatum. I love Brown. Uh-huh. I love Horford, of course. Even Baines. I like Baines when he did good in Detroit. Shout out Aaron Baines. But um, you know, I'm 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 I know the word is that Kyrie's leaving, but I'm not so sold on it, man. Because here's why. I, and I'll and I'll put this I'll put this out there. I want you to react to it, and then we'll kind of get into what we're talking about. Because I know we're starting with the NBA tangent, but fuck it, I have an NBA podcast <laughs> on the same feed. Strictly right. Hoop Talk, by the way, you can check that out. But that being said, Kyrie, he he clearly had an issue with like half the team this year. But if they're gonna get Anthony Davis, then you're trading half the team anyway, so you can just trade the majority of the people you don't like. Then you have Kyrie and AD. And if Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, or any pick, name any pick that Boston has, you are fooling yourself if you think any of those guys are going to be better than Kyrie or Anthony Davis. You're right. I I mean, I agree with that. But I take the sample size that I had when Kyrie and Hayward were hurt. And I forgot to mention Hayward. We can trade him. That's another asset, too. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think that that Coach Stevens is a coach that does a lot better with less, and that's weird to say in the NBA. Someone like Kyrie who has that much talent kind of, to me, takes away from what Coach Stevens does. So I feel like mm-hmm. you're right with the, with the talent that AD brings, the talent that Kyrie has. What I would question is Kyrie's motivation, and, and can he be motivated by a good coach and not just depend on the skills that he has, I mean, he didn't even – he played six games at Duke with a great coach at Coach K and, and didn't even come through. So I question Kyrie being able to be coached. And with AD, I question if he can't win New Orleans with that pressure, he can't come to the best franchise in the NBA, put us on his back, and be number one. Like, you can't even take the Hornets to the playoffs. <laughs> so I ain't necessarily – I mean, excuse me. It's, yeah, New Orleans Hornets. Pelicans. I ain't necessarily well, – excuse me, the Pelicans. I ain't necessarily sure that you can come to Boston with the pressure that's going to be with our franchise and, and do well. Like, I ain't never seen Anthony Davis win. That's I know they true. had that series <laughs> last year, with, and Drew Holiday carried them in that series. They won the upset they had that time last year. So I don't know if Anthony Davis can win. Mm-hmm. And I even go back to his days at Kentucky, the national championship game. He had, what, two points? Like eight rebounds or something like that? Well, now he had a lot of rebounds, but he had like two points, if I remember correctly. I don't but we are getting on the basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we're getting on an NBA tangent, but it's cool. I got an NBA podcast here. So the main reason we're here is for hip-hop. So I started introducing hip-hop. God damn it, we're going to talk some hip-hop. So this is something that is, to me, it's the perfect time to have this discussion. With much of the anticipated, quote-unquote, summer releases starting last week with Logic's terrible album, Confessions mm. of a Dangerous Mind, is it... And as I highlighted in my last quarter podcast, <laughs> everyone you can ever imagine is trying to drop this summer. Now, the premise for this podcast is do window releases exist in hip-hop? This is an idea that's kind of been circulating my brain for the past couple years because having an NBA podcast that we just mentioned, 
and being mm-hmm. in tune with the NBA circles, I've spent the last three years talking about sports real estate and how the NBA owns Christmas, NFL owns Thanksgiving, NBA owns July, MLB owns October, kind of. Like, so mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do in hip-hop is study and identify who is coming. So I look at rollouts, artist history between releases, all that stuff, and I really like to figure out, okay, who's dropping when? And so all this mm-hmm. got me thinking if real, if real estate matters in hip-hop. Now, fast forward to December 2018, Joe Budden on his podcast, which is, uh, as as I know, you, you and I are both huge fans of that podcast. Yes. Uh, he began talking about quarter one being quiet and how everyone wants to drop in the summer. And Joe's a smart dude, so the fact that he keeps bringing up, you know, when he keeps mentioning, you know, uh, real estate and hip-hop and, and all of that mattering, that's a signal to me. And not only does he know something, but it's important. And the fact that I'm hearing it on only his podcast and nowhere else has me just even more excited to dive into this. So a huge shout out to Joe Budden before we get into this conversation, because that is a huge inspiration for where this uh, for where this kind of content came from. And I'd love to hear him dive in. He keeps saying he's going to dive in on this, but he hasn't. So we're here to do the job, Spike. So we I'll start back. Shout out to Joe. though. Yeah. Shout out to Joe. So we'll start. We'll start somewhere simple. Do uh do release windows exist in hip hop? Uh, I was on the fence about this when we were talking about doing a podcast, and the reason being is, of course, we all know the term of Beyonce album now. Yeah, and, and of course, for those who don't know, it means it's dropping out of the blue. And I think that people have kind of curated artists. When I say people, I mean artists. They've curated their fan bases to kind of know what to accept from them. So with that being said, I don't necessarily think that the window is there anymore. It doesn't have to be a window. Instead of the window, it's almost just like a an open garage door because now you have to feed your fans or feed that base on a steady stream, a steady basis. I think that the, the source article, the source cover, the double XL cover has all been replaced by social media. Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and what you're doing instead of, you know, articulating yourself on on an article and making people want to go get your album when it comes out in four months, every day you have to wake up and be uh, Dave East. You have to wake up and be Meg the Stallion. Every day you have to update your people on what you're doing, show studio updates, and to me that's the rollout. People are trying to garner enough interest on social media, and not saying it's wrong or right, but it is different, and I think it's closed the window from what a traditional window is. First, you know, you get your demo, and you you get the buzzing, and maybe you – you know, rap on some Clue mixtapes, and, and I'm from that era, that's how you built the buzz, but now I think the windows closed because you're constantly building a buzz, you're constantly leaving the door open for people to dive into your material, dive into your daily life, hmm. you and bring, I think that's what the window was all about back in the day. You bring up an interesting point about social media, and that kind of also ties in and fold with streaming, and how the massive the massive shift of streaming from from you know the physical purchases, the CD, even just the digital purchasing of albums versus the ability to stream albums now. Um, so that combined with social media, you know, I I think I want I wonder like when specifically an album drops because you talk about the whole process of like kind of maintaining that fan base throughout, uh, which is interesting. But when it comes to the actual album with social media and streaming, do you think that? 
do you think that that has kind of shortened the the length because now it's every Friday something's we have a list of what's coming out and uh and and that's kind of and that's kind of it and we kind of go off of that we're able to stream we're able to stream everything because it's all everything's always on apple music title spotify google play whatever Mm -hmm. you know whatever you use so um so to me it's kind of it's kind of interesting to see how long uh how long a a release lasts uh for for an artist or for an album now do you think it's it's shorter do you think it's longer do you think it's the same what do you think I think it's much shorter, and the reason being, like we we just talked about, is the social media. I, I I would say it's much shorter, and it's much more forgiving. When you were a top tier artist a decade ago, let's say, or maybe even two decades ago, you were a top tier artist. You had to perform when you dropped your album. The music is what it would. So if you had a CD come out, then it had to be something that people would be able to ride, listen to for at least a couple of months, just because that's the way that music was digested. Like you said, we don't have the we didn't have the streaming platforms and you couldn't go back and, and listen to anything and have it all at your fingertips. So it made much more sense to put more work into an album to make it quality. I think now artists are more concerned with the persona, the social media aspect of it, how much engagement that they get. The music is almost secondary. I know for um, for instance, the challenges, any challenge, like if you go to the uh, Mannequin Challenge, uh, Nomeg the Stallion just recently had the uh, pull up to the station type thing that she was doing. The challenges and things like that, are what pushed the music nowadays. So I think it has taken away from how long we sit with the music, one, because you're only looking for trendy stuff that people are talking about on social media, and two, it it makes the music less important. It's more so about the personalities now. It's more so about how engaging you are. It's more so about what you said about um, your favorite team or Game of Thrones or your political aspects or how you feel about Donald Trump. All of those things have kind of taken away from just sitting there with the music. And of course, artists back in the day had political standpoints and they had interests too, but we weren't as involved as consumers in that. And I think now as consumers, you're buying into the person more so than the music and that kind of, the music is suffering from that. I hope I wasn't too long-winded for your question and that answered that one. No, you're, you're <laughs> interesting. You're interesting because um, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with the, with, uh, you know, just the, just the thought process that, social media is shorter uh is shortening our attention spans rather and you know just having access to everything and everything dropping at such a uh, an abundant uh such an abundant rate you know we have so many artists now i mean i feel like we have more artists than ever that we have to keep track of you mm-hmm. know so it, so you know that combined with all of the social media antics and everything kind of kind of take away from the music and kind of shorten the attention span of the music but you know, I did some I did some research, and mm-hmm. so I'll kind of look at uh, th- these are kind of uh, researches of, of of bigger artists. So I wanted to look at the bigger artists. So I looked at uh, albums like Scorpion, uh, Damn, K.O.D., Grateful, some of the bigger name, bigger tier, uh, like the top tier hip hop releases, and then I kind of looked at some other ones from from back in the day, like Jay Z, Wayne, and stuff, and so. I found that Drake Scorpion spent five weeks at one at, at number one, 45 weeks on the Billboard 200. It, it, it peaked about two weeks after its release. Damn was uh, was four weeks at number one 
with a peak two weeks after its release. Also, 108 weeks on the chart. It, it has not left the chart since it was released, actually. DJ Khaled spent two weeks at one with Grateful, 60 weeks on the chart. KOD spent one week at, at, uh, at number one and 55 weeks on the chart. Has not left since. Um, and, then, and then I looked at you know other artists like uh, Kanye. Kanye had two weeks at number one. Um, Lil Wayne had three weeks at number one with the Carter three. Kanye only had one week at number one with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Jay-Z with The Blueprint, only three weeks at number one. So to me, it kind of tells me that the, that the, the release window is, is almost the same. Like it seems like to me, it seems like for these big tier artists that there's about a three week peak, give or take. And then a couple weeks of falling off before it becomes the 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 you know not the hottest thing mm-hmm. you know the in my the in my feelings or whatever right. whatever it is at the time. So that to me is is interesting that when I went back and I did the research that it seems like it kind of follows the same bell curve as far as as far as there's this there's a set uh, week of window when it comes to big name artists and their releases and it and it lingers for for you know anywhere from three to six weeks. And then it, um, and then it kind of, and then it kind of tails off. So that was a, that was an interesting, interesting find I had. Well, I, let me ask you this though: Do you? And I mean, that's what the numbers say. Yeah. But as a consumer of hip hop, let's say, which Jay Z album was it that you were just talking about? Was it the Black Album? Uh, Blueprint. I have Black Blueprint. Album here too. Black um, Album. Please. I can pull up Black Album. Spent two weeks at number one, fifty nine weeks on the chart as of Billboard. So I would argue now that. Well, I don't even know if this goes against your point, but just an observation. I do think, due to those stats, that the windows may be the same. But I think that now you garner your attention before the music. So Jay-Z would go on a run and, and, and get ready and do interviews prior to the album coming out. And then you sit with the album and it's there for two weeks. I think that now people... Like a Matt the Stallion or an NBA Young Boy, they'll put a project out and they'll create a hashtag. And though it may be not be on Billboard, you brought up the In My Feelings Challenge, it lingers around for a longer period of time. So does that expand the window in your perspective or is that just a social media thing too? Uh, as far as like the, the In My Feelings Challenge, like are you saying do I think that that kind of extends the, the success or impacts the, the numbers? Is yeah, because yeah. well, not even impact the numbers, but the impact period as far as what you take away from it as a fan. Like you said, the the, the bell the bell curve of it is probably ringing the same. Drake drops an album now; he stays five weeks number one. That's probably the window that you get. And you, you go back to Blueprint; he was what three weeks, so three to five weeks. That seems fair for a number one album that you have that that you're going to stay at the top. I just think now that even beyond those five weeks, you have the "In My Feelings" challenge, and then you know the people. The hanger owners who get it late and it's on the news a month later because they you know get shit so late. I wonder when Jay was coming out at the end of those three to five weeks, was it just over then? You know, like there was no in my feelings challenge, and at the end of the five weeks, it was done. Drake, at the end of those five weeks, you're lingering on because you have the the hashtags and you have the social media aspects. Yeah, you know that's a very interesting point. You know, I. I have to think about that. That's a really that's a really good point because I think like you said, you know, the way I see it 
is that is that these kind of stories like you know that is a story the mm-hmm. in my feelings challenge it's a story exactly. of itself and it dominates you know what's happening in the culture you know whether it whether it affects the numbers or not you know it it still it's still kind of it, it's still kind of like hey everybody's in this in my feelings challenge instead of hey this is the new releases of the week yeah that's you true know? and i think it's because you get to participate with it and out you may not remember this because you're not an old fart like me, but <laughs> I remember the first time that I heard H to the Izzo, I remember what it was surrounding. It was the BET Awards. Jay-Z had on a Michael Jordan jersey, and yeah, he was pumping this Blueprint album, and we had heard the commercial where he did the Mama Loves Me, and it was like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then I remember he did the Blueprint song. It had the Michael Jackson sample. And we're like, oh, my God, what was that? You know, and then I think the album, I'm not sure how long after that that the album came out. But I, I just remember that that specifically was a moment you had to see it. And, you know, you may have seen it the next day. I don't even know if YouTube was just popping like that back then. But you had to see it. If you're a part of hip hop it's there you get to digest it that day the next day talk about it with your friends and it's gone with the challenges and the social media you actually get to participate in the songs you, you actually get to do your mannequin challenge and feel like you're participating in it when uh ray schmer schmer does it and, and and i think that what makes it linger along longer is people being able to participate in again social media so, yeah i i think you i think you've hit the nail on the head with these with these analogies because i think you know it, it becomes it becomes something that where the currency is almost attention, right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly. how long, how long it, it is, are you attracting attention? Right. With your, with, and whether it be, you know, two to five weeks with your music and then another week or two with your challenges and your, what, and your, what have you, any type of viral sensation. Yep. And so, to dig, to go even deeper down a rabbit hole, I feel like then, you garnered your attention from your actual, the album, the music. That was the big boom. That was the, okay, here is a combination of everything that Jay-Z has been trying to do for this past six months with the rollout. Right. And I feel like now the culmination is not the album. That's actually just the beginning of it. That's the beginning of the hashtag, and that's the beginning of the you say something where you go viral and that's the beginning of the breakfast club interview where you get in a, an argument with Charlemagne. I think that it's just switched from the album being the culmination back in the day when the window was the window. And now the window being kind of skewed and the album being the beginning of what, how much attention can we garner? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think it ties back into the point you, you made about participation, right? Because we could participate in all those stuff we yep. the consumers are what make that interview viral not mm-hmm. necessarily not necessarily you know the publication like like it, it's us that are saying whoa like you know jay-z said something crazy or drake said something crazy or whatever or you yeah. know and soldier boy says he's better than drake yeah or so- we're the ones <laughs> that are doing the that that are doing the in my feelings challenge which is like extending the window so you know, you're you're right. I think I think that's a very interesting thing to to consider when it comes to releases. Is that it's no longer this. It's it it's no longer just the the whole rollout that's the attention. It's just kind of like the album then forth. And I think that's a 
smart thing from an artist's perspective, right? Because because you're able to quantify all the numbers and everything, you're able to see how many engagements you get, how many album sales, you know, how many like what are your spike in followers and things like that. So you're mm-hmm. able to kind of see you know, okay, like this song was streamed a million times more than than this song, so this song should actually be the single, instead of instead of instead of the song we thought was going to be the single. Because before with the raw, you're kind of predicting, right? You're, you're kind of right. like, okay, this is the one that the people are going to like. We hope we hope we, this is the formula. This usually works. This is what yeah. we're going to hope it works. It's just like you said. Now with, with the in my feelings, they didn't even that wasn't even a single. You know, like that yeah. was, they were trying to push the Michael Jackson song and it didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. You know, and, and thinking of all, all of these, uh, all of these, speaking of these Drakes, these Jay-Zs, this is the question that really, uh, that really, I think is the most important question of this, of this, uh, window exists, be, uh, window release existing, because I think, I think it does exist. I think it's just changed. Like, like we just talked about. But it's who does that release? Who do these release dates matter to? Does mm. it matter to lower tier artists when a big when a big dog releases, or is it only the top dogs, the Drakes, the Cole, the Kendricks, the Khaleds, uh, you know? And who are some of the other big dogs? Like what about Kanye? What about Wayne? What about Jay Z? What about Eminem? Do, do, are they still considered big dogs, or is this kind of their time is past when they dominate commercially to a level where other artists need to worry? Yeah. I think that it's so everything is so corporate now that teams, labels, people that are backing artists don't want their artists to lose, don't want their artists to come out on the wrong end of the competitive standpoint right. of rap. I think it goes back to uh, the 808s and Heartbreaks versus Curtis. It was smart at the time. It generated, that was graduation. Oh, excuse think, me, right? graduation. Yeah, yeah graduation. It was smart at the time. It generated buzz for both Kanye and and Fifty. But if you look at it since then, since Fifty lost that battle, the I mean the the Ross battle was more so niche. But Kanye is a bigger artist. It was more hyped up, even though it was playful. Fifty still lost. Rap is still a competitive sport, and I think that nowadays corporations don't want they've seen that 50 example they don't want their artists to lose so two things happen one we lose the competitive the competitive in hip-hop you don't have a j cole and a kendrick lamar going at each other you don't have a j cole and a drake even even in the competitive sense not in a harmful sense but just the competitive nature of hip-hop you don't have it anymore you have them on stage saying hey this guy's the greatest this guy is the goat because it goes back to what we're saying they're trying to create moments they want to ride off moments and i think that drake is one of the smartest artists at this it's just being a part of other artists moments and that continuously grows him so to answer your question i do think that that, that artists nowadays and and just because of the labels and and how much of a brand and how big the hip hop is the yes people are causing of each other's release date i don't think we'll ever get another uh 50 cent and and kanye west on the same day just because of the competitiveness of the attention like you were saying like the attention is the currency now so if i'm a part of dreamville even though i may know that my guy's better with j cole do I want him to come out on the same day as a Drake? 
when I know the sales like won't, you know, I don't know if he can beat them. I don't know if I want to take that L and have my artist to be a tier below that artist. So in turn, you can have that real estate. I'll take this real estate and we'll all be respective of our areas. I think that's what's going on now. I a hundred percent agree, but one of the things that contradicts uh the the point you just made is wasn't that the whole reason for the beef between Kanye and Drake last year? Because mm-hmm. you know Ka- Kanye uh, took Drake to Wyoming or flew Drake out to Wyoming, whatever, and he's like, "Hey man, like you know we're gonna uh, I want to work with you, you know I want to I want to get things clear, so you got to tell me, you got to be honest with me. When are you dropping?" And Drake said, "Oh June," and then all of a sudden Kanye's dropping four <laughs> albums, four in, albums in, in, in every <laughs> damn near every week of June, and so and so you know so that kind of that kind of goes against what we just said, right? Well, I would argue that that's an anomaly. And I would argue that Kanye West I agree. went rogue and he disrespected a gentleman's agreement amongst the top-tier artists. I'm conspiracy theorist. I'll be the first to say it. I and notice how Kanye was the first week of June. Yeah, exactly. He, and Drake was the end. Yeah, exactly. He wanted it to... I want to start out with this and then... But yeah, I noticed that, but... Being the conspiracy theorist, I would say that there is a gentleman's agreement between a Drake and a Jay-Z and a J. Cole and a Drake and a Kendrick Lamar and a J. Cole. I think that there's a gentleman's agreement amongst all of them. This is your real estate. This is mine. This is yours. And I think that they thought that Kanye West was a part of that. Kanye West meant an outlier, the weirdo that he is. You know, he just breaks the agreement and, and starts going wilding out on drake and i think that's part of the struggles that he's having right now and the reason why you haven't seen a lot of people migrating towards him like they usually do he goes he does the uh well i mean i guess people are still messing with him i i I didn't really follow the coachella performance but i heard he had people out there but i I just think that kanye violated that gentleman's agreement and he's an anomaly i don't think that you'll continue to see that i don't think that the the only wild card i possibly maybe could see is big sean and I think that because he hasn't been in, he hasn't been in the limelight, you kind of heard the, uh, the the release with Kendrick Lamar where he kind of went at him and that never came out. You had the no interviews joint. I think Big Sean is willing to poke the bear, but I just think that he's a nice guy and he doesn't want to do it. And he's also not a part of that boys club, but could be. So he's kind of on the outside looking in. He, he To me is the most logical choice to kind of break the gentleman's agreement again. But Kanye to me is an anomaly. Well, which I agree with everything you just said, and you actually brought up something. You actually directly tra- uh, segued into the into the next part <laughs> I wanted to do, which is, I think I, I so this week is very interesting to me because it's an interesting case study with we got Tyler the Creator and DJ Khaled. You know, two big names, very different audiences, very different star levels. I I wonder, you know, if you know, if Khaled's release will affect Tyler's sales. And so that's an interesting case study. And then I got into a bunch of hypothetical case studies. And one of the ones I had was a quote unquote superstar versus all-star. So what if J. Cole and Big Sean uh, mm. dropped the same week? What do you think? What what do you, what are your thoughts? Do you think that those that either one takes away from the other affects the other in any way? Or do you think it's or do you think it's like a Kanye 50 thing where it's like it just becomes a moment? You know what? That's a great question. Um, let me think about that for a second. You know what? I think. I don't know if 
I don't know if J. Cole wins anything in that. Because, all right, so all, both of them are established as yeah. great rhyme. Both of them can spit their ass off. Yeah. So I think the next question would be, if if I'm J. Cole, I have to almost have a perfect album if I'm dropping on the same date as Big Sean. Because some people probably, most people probably, consider me a better MC. I need to put out a better project. And especially if we're talking about these stages in their careers. Now, I feel like that J. Cole, through everything that he's done recently, and this is heavily affecting my answer here, uh, Middle Child, the Dreamville rollout, the Dreamville sessions, this has put J. Cole on another level. This is what I thought he needed to do when For Your yeah. Eyes Only came out. I thought he should have started stepping on people's neck then. So now I would say if if he drops now and Big Sean drops now out of the blue and Big Sean has an album that's better than Cole's album, that's immediately going to put Big Sean. You, I just said he was on the outside looking in. He wasn't part of the boys club. This is immediately going to put him in an upper echelon, not just rapping, not just he can spit with them and he's pretty good, but on a superstar level. Now, I do think the soup that Sean lacks superstar he he lacks aura he lacks he can make a hit he can he can make records he can rap his ass off he has a hip-hop girlfriends multiple <laughs> you know so i mean he fits the persona he's just not a star yet and taking down a star like like if him and cole dropped on the same day that would elevate him i don't think cole would ever i don't think cole would want to admit it just because of the, his aura and you know the, the type of thing the energy that he puts out i don't think that he would admit even if he lost and Sean had a better album than they came out on the same day, I don't think he would admit it. That would take from him. That would the Cole has a lot of haters out there that says he make the sleep music, and I think that it would push a narrative that's out there for the Cole haters and make it grow larger and kind of take away from some of the mystique that Cole has built up over this last year. Because I mean, I could say arguably he's had one of the best feature runs over the last year since Wayne was in his mixtape bag. Yeah. You know, so if if him and if him and if him and Sean were to come out on the same day and Sean were to have a equal to or better than album, that takes Cole a step back to what every everything that he's accomplished to this point right now, I think he would take a step back. What do you think? You know, I, I think you brought up a lot of interesting points, particularly particularly the perspective you had about Big Sean's ability to kind of leap into an art tier. So, you know, Big Sean and J. Cole, both mm -hmm. artists who have gone number one before. Big Sean went number one with his last big album. I'm not counting the Metro Boom and shit. I'm right. talking about the I Decided album was number one. J. Cole obviously goes number one for the last three or four albums now, I think. Uh, I'm sure it's at least it's at least yeah, three. This, I think it's 2014 four. for your Onward, eyes only. Right? Yeah, yeah, KOD. Okay, yeah. So, so J Cole's obviously the superstar in this situation. Big Sean's the all star who's got the chance to elevate. So, you know, I wonder if you're in Big Sean's camp, like J Cole. Let's say J Cole's release date is uh, is announced as set in stone. If you're Big Sean, do you take that risk and say, "Let me drop the same week as J Cole"? Maybe my sales are hurt. Maybe, uh, maybe they're you know, maybe they're hurt. I, I won't go number one, obviously, because yeah, J Cole J. is J Cole's Cole. So I won't go number one. I'll be right in the middle of his rollout because, like we said, you know, the album's kind of the start of the rollout now. So do I want to take that chance? 
But like you said, I think there's an upside where if he were to take that chance and really go head to head with a with a J with a J Cole and have a better album, a lot like not the same, but kind of like how J Rock and Redemption versus Nazir, mm. right? Yeah, like true. Like you know those obviously different scenarios, like. You know, but I think that that kind of really got people talking. Like, I remember people talking. They were like, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Nas, and J-Rock all dropped That's albums in the same week. And J-Rock, J-Rock had the, Rock best, got album. the best album. Exactly, yep. So there is something to be gained. So if you're in Big Sean's camp, like, what are what are you telling him? Yeah, this is it. This is, if if you believe in your boy, this is the time. And I think, it, it like, it's a perfect storm. If if I'm in if I'm in the big I'm, what's Big Sean what what's his camp called? Is it I, good music. Yeah, I he's know in it's good, another he's in good music. Outside of that, I don't know what it is. Which but is if, Def if I, Jam? It's under Def Jam. If I'm right there, if I'm if I'm in on Big Sean, if I'm responsible for for trying to take his career to the next level, and I'm wondering what it is, and yes, I'm, I, if if I find out Cole is dropping and I got an end to drop that same week, I got to go for it because otherwise you're going to be stagnant. There has to be something that takes you to that next level. Every pro- every artist can probably look back over the things that you know help them take that leap. I just went over everything that Cole has done over the last year and a half, and I feel like that murdering, not willing to get on any song and and put your best foot forward, not not um, mailing in, doing all of those features. That's kind of what elevated Cole. Each artist, there's different things that are going to elevate them. For me, I think if I were on Big Sean's team, his elevation level, getting to that next level, dropping on the same day as one of the titans of the game, and making better music. Us, hip-hop fans, we know that it's possible. We know Sean is a dope artist, but I don't think mainstream people know that. I don't think that that people actually outside of hip-hop believe that that, that Big Sean would be as good as a Drake or as good as a uh, Cole when it comes out, as good as a Kendrick Lamar. If he were to actually tackle that giant, do that, and come out on the same day, that puts him automatically, in my opinion, on the next level. I was kind of expecting something like that from Cube, from from Schoolboy. I thought that he had a lot of room, a lot of real estate, very quiet quarter. I thought that this was his opportunity to to put an album out different from what I'm talking about with Sean, in a sense, because he's not going to directly go against anybody. But to have enough real estate and enough space to to put an album out, and we know how good Q is, but I think for him to put a dope album out at this point in time would have elevated him to that next level. Yeah, with no competition. Yeah, exactly. That would have put him to a a Big Sean level, you know, because y'all I don't really so, think yeah. that you have to. You, you don't have to have a kill to get to the Big Sean level. But once you start talking about Drake and you start talking about J Cole, like you got to show that you belong. And yeah. I think that, you know, Sean would have been able to perform, and I think that that's what should happen. That's what should happen, actually. Yeah, you know, you bring up something interesting. And before I get back, because I have some more hypothetical case studies, but before I get back to that, you actually brought up one of the direct questions I had, which was, you know, quarter one being so quiet. I talked about it on my podcast. You guys talked about it on On Deck TV. Uh, do you think upcoming artists like Dave East and Joyner kind of hurt themselves by not dropping absolutely. when it was quiet? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. They I agree. The ball. I, if I were a label head, if I were an A&R, if I were, a, if I were anybody responsible for putting albums out, Meg Thee Stallion, Dave East, 
uh, Joyner Lucas, all of these people that are bubbling right there. You just want to hear a good body of work for them. They should have taken this time to just make Meg is actually doing a good job. I think her album's coming out pretty soon here. I know I've name dropped her a couple of times here. I just I love what she's doing. But people like Davies, Joyner Lucas kind of came in late with the new single that he just dropped off the ADHD, but they should have been making more noise. I should have heard more yeah. from Griselda. I should have heard more from all of these people who are right there on the verge of being the next people to usher in this next generation. And like, all we got was little Nas X. Like that's what we, that's the highlight of the first quarter is little Nas X. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so many talented artists had the opportunity to, to do something different. And even my guy, two chains, I, I love this album. I love what he did, but I think that maybe he's kind of frustrated with what happened because there's the window that we're talking about again. Like, what happened after rapper go to the league? Like, it's the playoffs. Nothing. Yeah. You know, it's like, what happened to the extra LeBron with four, the, the LeBron joint with the four extra songs on there? Like, what? I don't think that anyone has taken advantage of this first quarter, and it's a crime. Two Chains, Griselda, Joyner Lucas, all of these guys should have been killing it. Even Schoolboy, whatever. Like this should have been the, this should have been the quarter for those people. Ross. I hundred percent agree. Yes, Ross too. Ross mm-hmm. is an excellent one. Um, Ross is one though that like you know he's gonna get he's gonna get listens though because he's kind of certified versus those other artists who are bubbling. Um, I feel like Ross is the one who's going to get more, uh, just more. I feel like he's going to have less impact dropping with Titans because he's so established, you know. But, yeah, um, I, I, I I agree. But I just think I think the Rick Ross knows that is. And people say that I don't like Rick Ross for this, but I'm not. I'm just stating facts. I think Rick Ross knows is getting close to the end of the line. He's trying to hold on to it as long as he can, and he wants it to be as good as he can on the way out. This is gonna, it's like his last chance. Like this. This is this Kobe is, sixty. This is one hundred percent Kobe sixty, and and <laughs> Ross knows this, and he wants to make Ross is a spectacle in himself, so he wants to make this as big a spectacle as he can, and I think he's holding out until he can do so. I think that he's waiting on like a big, big to come through. I. You might be right, but I'm too big of a Ross fan to admit it, so I'll just, I'll just say no, but uh, you might be right. So back to these hypothetical cases, though. So we talked about up-and-comers like Davies, Joyner. What if one of those guys drops versus, like, the same week as a Travis Scott? How does that affect mm. it? How does that affect the conversation? Like, if Davies and Travis Scott drop the same week, is Davies getting any coverage at all? Or is he? Or is it? Or is he? Uh, or, or is he getting more coverage because they're they're mentioning these are the albums coming out this week, and it's Travis Scott, and then on the list you see Davies. Or is it Travis Scott's going to dominate because he's so big that people are going to have an afterthought of Davies dropping? I think Travis is too big. Uh, well, back to our points about real estate and the attention, the uh, the jockeying for position of attention. Travis dates Kylie. Yeah, like, yeah. like he, he's big. Travis, is he has st- everything. Yeah. yeah, Travis is a star on top of being able to make very, very, very memorable music. You know, like, yeah. like Astro World. Um, what was the song? I can't even think. Of. Sicko Mode. Yeah, Sicko Mode, song of the year last year. Only yeah. the song of the year last year. Uh, I, I don't think that Davies has spent enough time 
establishing the real estate that we're talking about. He hasn't right. established that window. He's too worried about the Nasix. He's too worried about how Old Town Road sounds. I wish Davies would would almost he almost Davies almost needs a control verse. Like yeah. he almost needs to set himself apart from other people in his generation. Cause to be honest, I think people just think the shit sweet with Davies. Not that he's yeah. a sucker or anything like that, but like, okay, yeah, you can rap, yay. What does that mean in 2019? And until right. he shows people what that means, like Kendrick did on a control verse, well, I'm naming people, I'm naming my peers, telling them that they can't fuck with me and that I'm the best person in my class doing it. Davies needs to make an adamant statement like that. Not hate on Lil Nas X. I don't think that that's going to work. I don't think that dropping with Travis dropped because he'll just get swallowed in the wave because all people will say is, man, Davies was really spitting his ass off on this last album, but have you heard that new Travis? As yeah. the brand new single blasts out of every car that comes down the street. You know, so I, I just don't, Davies wouldn't, I don't think that he would be able to make a splash anywhere until he hones in on what we were talking about with the windows, what we're talking about with the real estate, what we're talking about with the attention. He doesn't know how to do that yet. And just, I mean, we were talking in pre-production. I had my pre-production call for On Deck before I got on the call with you. And one of our topics, just to spoil alert for everybody that listens to both, one of our topics <laughs> is about what something that Davies did this week when he went up to Def Jam and, and he takes the uh, the boombox in there and he's telling people that his new album's executive produced by Nas and he's the best person rapping. And yeah, that's cool if it's 1999. You know, like, <laughs> that's cool, Davies, 10 years ago. Like, we just, that that's not moving the needle anymore, bro. And you need to figure out how to do that with, like, in, in, within what you do. Yeah. So, I, I, I totally agree with you, even though I love Davies to death. I like I Davies. Totally I met him in, uh, in, in Revolt. He was a cool guy. He talked to us. He chopped it up with us for a while. But I just think he could be a lot better. He's tall as yeah. hell, too, in person. Hell yeah. You're pretty tall, too, though, Chris. That's so I'm, I guess oh, yeah. I'm short guy, so. I seen your graduation, but I'm like, damn, Chris, like 6'5", right? 6'6", but who's got it? <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man, I think I think you're right. I think I think real estate matters when you're an up-and-comer. An up um, but what, it, what do you think the – this is the last hypothetical I have uh, okay. before we bring this to a close – what do you think of like artists on the same tier in popularity? Like what if I know I know this wouldn't happen, but like what if like Chance and Childish Gambino dropped the same week? Do you think that those are two artists on a very similar tier? Do you think that they they're they're stars, they're all stars, whatever, I don't know, maybe maybe even superstars, but do you think that those two take away from each other or now, do you think that no? That that's a good one. Because I think that that one completely contradicts what I say about the competitiveness of hip hop. Because right. I, I do feel like those two guys, maybe the only two, that are as big as they are, they could come out the same day and it completely be just a good thing for the culture. Oh yeah, just like just just the the energy that Chance has, the the the, the star appeal that Donald Glover, Childish Gambino has, like. I think that that will, to be honest, if those two guys dropped on the same day, I think that kind of would move the needle for hip hop to a, a higher level. I agree. Just because so many people will be paying attention that normally aren't paying attention. Um, I, I, I think that other people not on that tier, not of the same wavelength of them would probably get drowned out. I think that an interesting hypothetical in that would be if I have a chance 
and I have a Childish Gambino, I would say someone like a, with good music, catchy music, but still kind of on the cusp, a Kodak Black. He could benefit from dropping with people like that because you have so many, I think one, he's so talented and the catchy hooks and the, the stuff that he does with his songs is amazing. But if you have a chance crowd and you have a Childish Gambino crowd, that crowd is likely to gravitate to someone like Kodak Black. And hey, since I'm listening to hip hop today, both of these guys drop. Let me check out this Kodak Black and you get more Kodak Black fans. I think that those two guys would open a lot of eyes and it wouldn't take away. It would actually add to whatever came out that day. There's some guys in this game that I think that can and those probably are the few of the two. Drake, maybe, in, in addition to that. But there are a couple of guys in this game that can kind of just open up the floodgates for eyes, for attention, and not suck it all up when they open. I think Chance and uh, Childish are definitely two of those guys. Just look at what Childish Gambino did when um, he shouted out Bad and Boozy at the Emmy Awards. That took Migos to a whole nother level. Yeah. You know, so I, mean, I feel like that those two guys are more of a spotlight. They, don't, they, they won't drain any energy from each other they'll more so like bounce off of each other and, and continue to add energy to the room you know this is this is very interesting because coming into this i thought my answer was hell yes all this matters <laughs> like and you know and now i'm seeing that it's almost kind of subjective right I, like I, it, I they're so. not subjective but i think it's i think it's a what's a word I'm looking for to describe it? Because it's like situational. Case by case basis, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's very situational. Like I think if you're an up and coming artist, it absolutely matters. You need to know when you drop yep. you know, or if you're even just a middle tier artist, you can benefit from having nobody around you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen we've seen that Q and, and Chains had the opportunity to to do that and I think I think both of them didn't take yep. that opportunity to the next level. But, um, but you know, so, so you have the opportunity to move up. Um, but if you're a superstar, you, superstars don't want to compete with each other, I think, like you said. I, I don't think that's – I think the Kanye thing is an anomaly. I don't think – I don't think Drake's going to be on Khaled's album and then be like, by the way, Khaled, I'm dropping like a week after you. <laughs> right, I agree. Let me ask yeah. you something about the schoolboy and 2 Chainz thing. Do you think, uh, as a consumer of hip-hop, that – do you think it was the quality of music or just the, the lackluster effort in marketing afterwards as to why they didn't make a bigger impact? Did you, like, did you like both albums? You, th- you didn't like both albums? I, li- I liked both albums. I liked them. I I didn't love them as much as I thought I would, being huge fans of both of those artists. Uh, my takeaway was you know, like some of the two chains records on that album I love and I'm gonna listen to forever. Like Threat to Society, I'm gonna listen to that to the day I die. You know, it's Q had had Drunk, which was like a totally different Q mm-hmm. record that I that I absolutely love. And you know, but I think I I think that they they that they did something that they did something wrong somewhere. I think I think that. If they if if the music was greater, then I think yes, they would have they would have sustained more buzz. They would have gained more attention. Uh, but I do think it was it was kind of a marketing thing because remember, I actually had this talk with you off air and maybe even on air. I think, but definitely off air. I was kind of critical of the rollout for Q's album, right? With the yeah. whole like 
debuting Travis's vocals on Jimmy Fallon when yeah. Travis isn't there, and then not dropping the song right after was like really confusing. Like, right. were they going for some type of shock value? Did they think Travis was going to be there and then he wasn't? Like, what was going on with that? And then you know, and then there's also uh, with Two Chains, like he did have a he had a good pre roll or he had a good rollout leading up to the album. He did. But I I feel like like I, I mean, the correct me if I'm wrong. Ruined it. I, I don't know if it did. I thought it got a lot of attention for it. I thought it did what it needed to do with uh, yeah. because LeBron had kind of built his name the last few ye- years. Like, I remember it's he was playing a, snippets of Damn. Historian. Yeah, oh, my God. Don't get me started on that. I'm, I, made, I made fun of LeBron too many times on this podcast for that. But, you know, I think, like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I think you follow – I think you're one of the few people that follows Chains even closer than I do. Yeah, I love did, did Did – anything like newsworthy happened with two chains after the album dropped like did he do anything kind of like Mm-mm. buzzworthy i don't think he did no you're right and i and i wonder is it like did we become numb to it because you know you had to show the the super the most expensive show on vice he had the cannabis line that he came out with uh, he's also another app. I can't remember what it did, but it was a, an app that he was rolling. So he had a lot of stuff going on before the album. And I think it was kind of people had gotten to an overkill thing with it. Because, I mean, I'm a 2 Chainz fan. I can't get enough. But I could see uh, my co-hosts on deck. They got kind of got tired of him. And people who are not as fond of Chains as me were kind of like over it. So I, I, I see where that went. I could yeah. see I could see people who are not as fond of him because the, the album, though I liked it, it wasn't uh, a, a game changer. It didn't change yeah. the it didn't change the landscape of hip hop. And for as much two chains as we were getting, I think once the album came out, that kind of culminated everything, and we yeah. didn't get any push for it. But I mean, I would I, I'm ready for the. I don't think I, I don't know. I just, someone's off about it to me. I'm not. I'm not sure that this is what he wanted to do. I, I ain't sure that this is what he. Being as close a follower as I am, a two chains, listening to interviews and following him since the pretty girls like trap music. What he was describing, rapper go to the league as is not how I heard it. When he was first talking about how it would be soulful and he have a lot of soul samples, kind of like the first Marshall Ambrosa song, it would be all in that vein. And I think for some reason he got away from that and he shouldn't have. I think he was trying to prove to people that he could rap on this album. And I would rather have just made a great album. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I think I feel the same way about 2 Chainz album. That, and I also feel that same way about Q, I think. You know, I, I well, I like it, and while I'm gonna enjoy it, and there's gonna be records that I live with forever. There's also I, I don't. It wasn't, it wasn't to that level that one. I think they're they're both capable of, and to that level that could have escalated them to you know to some type of other uh, tier, I guess you could say. Right. You know. So um. So I think that's I think that's an interesting case study because because they dropped when nobody dropped they dropped so far apart from each other and they didn't really have anybody to compete around with but now that summer's here and we're supposedly going to get a ton of new music I, I'm really interested to see there's going to be a lot of case studies like I said I think Khaled and Tyler is a good one to look at right now that's the that's really the only one I know of but. You know, we're expecting a lot of music from a lot of great artists. So I'm really curious to see just how window releases 
uh, how they operate. Like I, I'm gonna be paying attention. I'm not really, you know me, Spike. I love the music more than the numbers, <laughs> yep. all that stuff. And I know you're the exact same way. But yep. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on the numbers. I'm gonna be keeping an eye on seeing where where things fall, where uh, where things fall in terms of engagements, in terms of uh, sales and stuff. Because I think this is a this is a really fascinating thing to me. I, I don't know why I find it so fascinating. I agree. I think it's something that we could even like you said, look at the numbers, take a double back on it at some point in time in the second quarter and kind of see what else we can find out based off what we said now and what happens from this time until we talk about it again. All right, man. Well, we're going to definitely have to have that conversation again. Thank you, Spike, for coming on. No One third of the On Deck TV podcast. Why don't you tell them where you can find your podcast? Yo, yo, y'all go check out the podcast. It's um, iTunes, Apple, uh, excuse me, if you're on Apple, iTunes, you can find it there. You can also YouTube, find On Deck TV um, at the On Deck TV page. We put the full episode there, so check those out. I am Spike Lou on Instagram and Twitter, the On Deck TV podcast on the same social media networks. Big shout out to Chris, man. He does this thing. Really enjoy every time we get to hook up and do these podcasts, man. Man, I really enjoy having you because you always you always uh, give me things to think about. You always give me You always give me some some interesting points you give me that old fart perspective that i can't <laughs> that i can't otherwise get so i i really I appreciate you. you man episode uh 300 coming up soon for the on deck tv podcast we look forward to seeing you down here man and we, we're, we're, we're having some make some announcements on the podcast this week and some big things should come you're definitely invited it's an invite only event so a couple other people big names will be there like yourself but uh just trying to make that 300 event dope for the fans and the people that have rocked with us for a while so keep your ears open for that as well it'll be june 15th june 15th coming right around the corner i can't wait buddy uh, i'm very excited to talk to you about that so yes, sir. um actually we'll cut the podcast here and we'll, we'll have that conversation <laughs> off air but listeners Stay tuned. That some big stuff is coming. And if you're brought here on behalf of the uh, Spike Lou and the On Deck TV podcast, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Chris Platty. You can find me on all social medias, at Real Chris Platty, Twitter, Instagram, wherever. And then also uh, you can find the podcast, Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk, on uh, iTunes or Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. My podcast is there. So thank you everyone for listening, and we will be back at another time with some more stuff. I got some NBA playoff yeah. podcasts coming this week. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.